Hey everyone, this is Drew. Just wanted to give a brief disclaimer before we begin the episode today. Uh, we will be discussing some of the themes in the episode My Mother's Documents, as well as The Woman Called Fuchiko Mine and Part 5 involving sexual assault and high school gun violence. While we don't get into these topics in detail, just wanted to give y'all a brief heads up that that subject matter will be discussed in this episode. But with that said, on with the show. It's been one year since Lupin III Part 6 first graced our screens, and thus, your lovable rogues galleries here at Cyburns and Cigarettes are ready to give a retrospective on it. Speaking of this rogues gallery, ready to solve mysteries and work out mommy issues are the anticlimactic Drew. Hello, hello. Kick-ass filler Emma. Hi. Too much anime nonsense Natalie. Sup. And owing Part 5 an apology is me, Chris. <laughs> Sign my, sign my name under that as well. Uh, same, same. <laughs> just just make a declaration of independence of that with all our signatures underneath. Let me be the button Gwinnett of it. <laughs> See, I told you it was going to be a good one. Uh, so, welcome to Sideburns and Cigarettes, a loop on the third podcast. A podcast about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. We are covering all of the animated and live-action entries of the Lupin the Third franchise in mostly chronological order. This month marks one year since the most recent animated series, Part 6, aired across the world on October 10th, 2021. It marked a special occasion, falling in the same month as the 50th anniversary of the very first Lupin anime series, now known as Part 1. It also marked quite a special occasion for our podcast as we started reviewing the series on a weekly basis with our series Tea Time during the Lupin vs. Holmes arc and Ladies' Night during the Witch and Gentleman arc. Along the way, we were fortunate to be joined by a number of amazing guests, Shannon Strucci, Chris Delisola, also known as Aficionados Chris, Lauren Kisich, also known as The Abbey Roadie, Ian Fagan, also known as Zoid the 9000, the official English translator of Part 6, and Lucy. We can't thank all of you enough for joining us on our journey covering Part 6, and we look forward to having you all on the show again someday, because as far as we're concerned, you're members of the Sideburns and Cigarettes family. Today, we'll be looking back on Part 6. How have our feelings toward the series changed over the last year? Where does the series fall in the scheme of the whole Lupin franchise? Well, for each of us, that is. Did Lily Watson actually murder Watson? Why can't Albert get any goddamn respect? Is Tomoe Lupin's mother just some gonzo granny? Well, right now, we're going to definitively answer most of these burning questions. So, 
before we jump into uh, the two arcs of part six, uh, we're going to discuss the uh, the opener of part six, which was episode zero, The Times, written by Yuya Takahashi. Emma, uh, how are you feeling about uh, Kiyoshi Kobayashi's send off? Honestly, uh, when I first watched that episode uh, last year, I rushed home from a sale, like a yard sale um, that I went to and I bought some stuff for my house, rushed home and jumped on a stream of it and just felt so excited uh, because for quite a while, I wouldn't say the, the love that I have for the series like went away or anything. It just kind of like, was put on a shelf alongside a lot of other things uh, that I was paying attention to. And I think I kind of did that with my own psyche with kind of healing from things. But then episode zero aired and that like brought back all that excitement, all that creative juices that even fired when I first started watching the series four years ago. So all of that came rushing back. I think I like drew so much after that. And it was like, so just like really invigorated by it. And then the dub aired and a friend of mine, Preston, who I was Twitter friends with, he was actually in town and we watched that air. And the dub of it was just as wonderful as the sub. And obviously it didn't have like the same impact because Richard Epcar isn't, retiring from his role but still just very special and just like that very invigorating feeling for me it really brought back a lot of the passion that I had all the characters were great I loved love the Fujiko Jigen content that was in there um you just don't see that very often uh at least in a positive way and really really loved that loved seeing Jigen's interactions with all of the characters. Um, and I know we've made this joke before. I'm the whole Goyamon basically doing Ohana means family. Like, <laughs> 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 Iconic. Uh, I still very much love this episode. Even a year later, I would go back to it often. Um, it is in, and I'll probably talk about this more in depth as we get more into part six as a whole. I did episodes I like and episodes I'm kind of meh or dislike uh, in two different categories. And this is very much at the top of the episodes that I like. Um, that's basically my thoughts on it. So, uh, Natalie, what are your thoughts on episode zero these days? I feel like I touched upon a lot of my feelings on episode zero, not just in the review of it, but also when we talked to, when we talked about Kobayashi during his passing. Um I, I agree with Emma that like with the dub of it, it doesn't hit home quite as hard as like the OG because Richard Epcar isn't retiring, not that we know of. And, you know, this it was a send off for Kobayashi, you know, the other the other actors didn't get send offs because one died suddenly and, you know, the other the other one decided to retire and got a mediocre special. And then the other two decided to retire and then you just get the Lupin family all stars, which was great, but not really not really the send off that you expect, at least the one that Kobayashi gets. I guess retrospectively, we just watching it a year later, it just hit differently because Kobayashi died. 
but other than that, I still agree. I still like hold up my belief that it's the one of the greatest episodes of part five, just because of the art style and how it kind of changes the, you know, switches the mantle from part five to part six. So there's my thoughts on it. Chris, how about you? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with both of the ladies here. Um, I thought it was a great send off and it really felt like an extra episode of part five to me than it did part six at all. You know, not just because of the art style, but also because of the themes of, you know, getting older and all that, which part five touched a lot on. But yeah, I mean, I agree. It's like, it's, it's rather somber, but it's pretty great. You know, very fitting send off. Yeah. Pretty much just going to be a round table. Um, I, I, I uh, agree with everyone here. I'll, I will be 100% honest. I have not rewatched this episode since Kyoshi Kobayashi passed away because uh, I'm a coward. And uh, I saw one clip from it on Twitter, and it was the Fujiko uh, Jigen conversation. And that just about brought me to tears. So that I know watching that whole thing is going to absolutely wreck me. I need a little more time to revisit it, but just like. I agree. It, it, it is less of a part six episode. I, I, I honestly consider it. I consider it separate from part six. But if you are if you are going to lump it all together, this is the single best thing in part six, just in terms of writing and emotional pathos for me, because I think Yuya Takahashi has more than proven that they have a perfect grasp on these characters and they gave Kobayashi such an incredibly fun and beautiful send-off. I've mentioned this before when we've talked about it, but the fact that Kobayashi gets these one-on-one -on -one moments with each of the current Lupin cast, and it's pretty much just a farewell to each of them, it's, it's really beautiful, and I'm going to... Uh, I think that about sums up my feelings on because I'm I, I I might fall apart right here to be hundred percent honest. Watch because... it. Stop being a coward. See, I, know. I watched it <laughs> <laughs> because I put myself through emotional pain like that. <laughs> you know, when you get sad and you're like, I'm going to listen to some sad songs because I'm yeah. sad. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's kind of like what I did. So. I was like, <laughs> it's sadism <laughs> Where, whereas me I just carpamentalize which is why I rarely watch that episode because because <laughs> you know I just have an out-of-body experience and I disassociate and and then my roommate comes in like are you okay and I just look at them like no it, it didn't feel invigorating like for any of you like the same like I don't know it made me like so like excited and like brought like back the passion that I had. Mm -hmm. It because it, 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 that's the thing. It, it really was when I watched it for the first time. To, like you know, I was really excited. It was a great, really powerful send off. But now that Kobayashi has passed away, it plays as like right. the the farewell aspect of it now hits even harder than it did the first yeah. time. Because the first time, like you know, Kobayashi's retiring. He's going to be doing a few voice things here and there. Akio Otsuka's taking the mantle. Right, but like just on the hills of him passing away. Like it's, it's kind of a, uh, a, a farewell to a guy who's been a part of the franchise for over 50 years. And it's also, right. I also just love 
everything about the ending of it. Like the the whole point, it, it, it's kind of like what part five was encapsulated into one episode. Like you know, you can throw as much technology right. at these characters as you want. It's not going to work. Like they are going to adapt. They're going to use like a mixture of old and new to completely waltz over anything, and it's beautiful. <laughs> they're that, they're they're going to do what they want. Essentially, it's like exactly it. whatever I do with that, I do what I want. It's so good. And uh, unfortunately, it set a very high bar for the uh, the, for the episodes the that came after it. Specifically, the Lupin versus Holmes arc. The main arc episodes written by Takahiro Okura. Once again, we'll do another roundtable. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about the Raven arc these days? Well, less strongly than you do, but... Um, <laughs> well, this applies to both arcs, I think. They both started off really, really strong, I felt. Mm. Like, I found the, uh, you know, the first few episodes, well, I guess the first episode... You know, to be uh, you know really intriguing, especially that final shot of uh, Lily screaming in terror at Saint Lupin again. Like I thought, mm-hmm. I thought that was really uh, fascinating, and it was just kind of let down after that. I think you know, some neat, you know, there's some neat ideas, but you know, it started off strong and then it just kind of fizzled out at the end. Yeah, and what kills me is that there was just so much potential as well. It's like this is Lupin the Third. Versus Sherlock Holmes. Lupin's doing what his grandpa did. And it's not anywhere close to being as entertaining as, as Arsene Lupin's encounters with Holmes were. Agreed. Now, mm-hmm. are we including the, uh, the filler episodes in this discussion? Uh, yeah. Th- th- okay. This is just the uh, the Holmes arc in general. Okay, well, in that case, well, like, I, like the way I introduced Emma earlier, the filler was kick-ass. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, even the... Uh, even the more you know, small scale stuff, like uh, the one about the transcontinental railroad. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just at the. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I was talking about that one the other day. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like you know, there's nothing, you know, like groundbreaking or anything. It's it's just a fun little story. It's actually yeah. only one of my favorite episodes in part six. <laughs> like yeah. when I rewatched it, I was like, I really just like this episode. Yeah, it, it's fun. <laughs> of course, you know, we also have uh, the killers in the diner, which is. Terrific. I know a lot of people are very divided on it, but I am still bitter even a year later how y'all's negative opinions on an episode really ruined it for me to the point where I had to watch that episode in chunks and then go home and watch Niffle and be like, why y'all so, you know, why y'all so, so bitter? Like, it's so freaking good, especially, (laughs) I mean, like, like I enjoyed it at first, and then uh, you guys sent me a one of you did uh, sent me a link to the original Hemingway story. Then mm-hmm. I read that, um, watched yeah. it again, and I just loved it even more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's honestly it's hilarious, and I haven't watched it dubbed because I'm not sure how well Hemingway's story translates. You know, having to, like match up with like the uh, lip flaps of the mm-hmm. yeah, but, but yeah, Killers and Diner I thought was uh, wonderful, and I really like the whole like I like the concept behind this first half where. 
you know, each story is uh, has some kind of basis in literature. It's usually detective or or it's usually mystery or crime literature. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, of course you have uh, Doyle with uh, the home stuff, uh, Hemingway with Killers in the Diner, uh, Rampo Edagawa with uh, you know that time travel two parter, and mm-hmm. like the Bible, and the Bible with uh, Darwin's Bird, <laughs> and, which another another fantastic episode by the way. And much like with part five, I found myself uh, enjoying the uh, one-off filler episodes a whole lot more than I did the main story. Uh, it's like a red jacket, Chris put it. Yeah, this would have been a, a great excuse. Well, not excuse, more like it would have been a great premise for an anthology type series. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. each, you know, have each episode be uh, rooted in some kind of classic literature. You know, maybe have different directors and. Uh, character designs and whatnot, but no, they took the safest possible route, and it didn't quite work. Outside of a few standout episodes, and again, the way the arc ended was just disappointing. It's like it's it's not even a uh, all that glitters is not gold thing. It's just it's not even bad. It's okay. not bad. It's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically you're basically like my mom every time yeah, I told you're, her. You're like, a parent. Yeah, you're a parent. You're, <laughs> Mommy, I'm sorry. I'm 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 a goth kid, and you're gonna have to live with it. I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah, you're you're basically disappointed disappointed parent over Lupin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. Okay, yeah. indeed. All right, look, we're gonna get into a uh, Lupin disappointed parent later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good point. Good, very good. All right, so Emma. How's the uh, how's the Sherlock art treating you these days? I'm so excited for this. So also because I make it a point to at least say some positive stuff about <laughs> everything, even Twilight Gemini. I heard you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I try try to say positive. So I wrote down a bunch of stuff. For one, she likes Twilight Gemini. No, I think. <laughs> No, I'd say Emma's <laughs> face when she said no was so emphatic and so quick. Just no, do that not get this wrong. Fake news. I just say positive <laughs> things about it. She just went Miranda Priestly on my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> just no. <laughs> I was literally mid sentence looking at my notes and then I heard that and I was like, no. <laughs> Like, ah, so opening to part six, I really, really liked like the opening sequence. Um, Mm -hmm. really liked it. It's probably one of my favorite opening sequences, uh, of the entire like Lupin series. I love all the little bits and pieces, like when they're eating the food, all the details on like Lupin cigarettes being on the table, all stuff like that. Just really, I, thought that was a really like strong like upside I mean that was probably like the thing that kept me coming back to like watching it when watching the dub there's great dub work on both arts honestly like Mm -hmm. I would it's just as good as the sub and I'm usually more of a sub person I I thought like they're just phenomenal and we'll probably get in this more in depth uh I would say the strongest Michelle Ruff yes knocks it out of the park uh as well as tony oliver jesus christ you know richard epcar too like all of them are just so so good 
with the Sherlock arc, <laughs> I think I made a comment last year that I still stand by very strongly because I also watched the 2009 Sherlock movie with uh, Robert Downey Jr. And that movie is so entertaining and his take on the character is so entertaining that I wish they had done that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is what we could have done. Honestly, honestly, real quick, the the thing that made that those movies for me was Stephen Fry as Mycroft Holmes. So <laughs> inspired casting there. Yes, right right there. The thing like the main I finally like worked out my main critique of like the Sherlock episodes. And like when I was watching it, uh, it's the same like critique that I have with like a lot of the specials. When the gang is featured primarily, it's actually quite good. Like it, it, like there's a lot of action. It's intriguing. It's funny and interesting. But there just isn't enough of them mm. in like the Sherlock episodes. Um, they're sacrificed for the sake of very very boring side characters. Uh, like I hate to like. How do you make Sherlock Holmes boring? They did. I don't know how. Like he is so boring. Yeah, he is. Yeah, mm -hmm. and Lily, Lily is even more. I was like, this is supposed to be a cute kid, cute smart kid, and like she's boring because she's just like any other young girl, like anime trope young girl. And I just like I don't know. <laughs> In other parts, like part five and part four, the side characters are incredibly interesting. Like Albert, Ami, Rebecca, Nix, Robson, like all of them, so interesting that they add to the story. I don't feel like they take away from it, but with the Sherlock arc, oh my God. And then every so, like one of the things that bothered me most was like Sherlock and Lily going through town and they're every like buddy's like really happy ass with each other and I'm like this is a little too too perfect especially because Sherlock's supposed to be an asshole I was like mm, I don't I don't vibe with that um mm. but when you take that out the one-offs oh my god like I mentioned when Chris was talking about it the the one with the railroad actually probably is like one of my favorite episodes from the series I don't know why, because like Chris said, it's not anything like inspired or anything. I just thought it was really cute and really fun. I mean, like, yeah, there's, it's not like groundbreaking or anything, but right. there's nothing wrong with it either. Right, mm -hmm. but it, it's just so... There's nothing to dislike. It's yep. so jovial. It's like, just nice. He, he, like, rides a little horse. Like, that's so cute. <laughs> and then, like, it's funny and there's like creative moments in it. And then you have standouts like The Killers in the Diner and Darwin's Bird, uh, both uh, Mamoru Oshi episodes, which are probably the best episodes in this entire part. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. They're definitely the most intriguing, like Chris said, the literary aspects in this part, in this arc, but primarily with like Killers in the Diner. Uh, being based off Hemingway is just so unlike anything that not even just Lupin, modern Lupin, anything like I've seen in any modern anime to date. I've never seen anything like that. Almost like they just, I even thought like recently when I was rewatching it, I was like, they just don't make anime like this anymore. 
that's intriguing, thoughtful, and like just Darwin's Bird especially being a horror. I've been wanting to do Lupin like horror for a long time, and that one is so effective. Um, there's so many good parts of that. It's so like surreal too, which hits on like my like Utena love too. Um, so everything will part of that episode is perfect. Um, because of those episodes, I don't hate the first arc. I don't even say I hate like the show. I just think it's just like like Chris said, it's just disappointing. <laughs> it's like Somebody- oh god, because when the Lupin gang is in it and like showcased it's not bad Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're just not enough and also hashtag save albert (laughs) r.i.p more like hashtag albert deserve better save albert that's all i got (laughs) save albert from being shoehorned in any more of these series (laughs) but that's all i got so it's the next person wants to go albert look how they massacred my boy look i just i just want to clarify i like albert i thought i thought he was great you know especially in the uh beginning of part five Mm -hmm. right i still just don't think they should have brought him back after that no i agree because like one of the last things that happened to him is that my boy gets cooked (laughs) <laughs> that, when i have my turn i have thoughts about albert in this yeah mm. but before i bring uh the party down uh natalie what do you think about the uh the lupon versus holmes arc i guess like my mom finding out i was goth uh disappointing <laughs> i mean if we're gonna keep going with that analogy but no like i the only thing that worked for me with the first half was definitely the filler episodes because the filler episodes were fun. Like the, the, the train episode. Um, and of course, Dar- um, killers in a diner. Um, I'm a, I'm a big Hemingway fan. So I was really excited, especially because it wasn't the first time um, Hemingway in any sense was mentioned in the series. You have that episode of part two. And of course, um, Hemingway papers, which uh, Drew mm-hmm. really, really loves, <laughs> but also um, Darwin's Bird. I mean, I I stand by my friend Katie with Darwin. Darwin's Bird just proves, like Scooby Doo, that Lupin the Third has a lot of versatility in its storytelling, and it has potential for horror. I've written like a horror story with Lupin, but it wasn't as good as Killer. I mean, Killer says um, Darwin's Bird, and Darwin's Bird had elements of the Bible. So, I mean. I did. I also did enjoy the literature references because I'm a big literature dork. But other than that, like the Sherlock versus Lupin series as the big literature dork that I am, I was just expecting something more because I love the Arsene Lupin versus Herlock Sholmes by Maurice Leblanc. But we didn't, we did not get that. We didn't get anything similar. And a year later with the dub, I mentioned this earlier before we started recording that like, I just got so spoiled by our friend Ian's translations of the works that I, and also I'm a big Helsing Ultimate fan. I just got so spoiled that I was assuming that the dub was going to have British accents for the British characters, but no. And that just made a already like terrible, not terrible, but already like already bad part of part six even worse and made it so much harder to rewatch honestly so i mean yeah that's that's my gripes 
And also, yeah, hashtag um, Albert deserved better. I do agree with you, Chris. I love Albert so much that maybe they shouldn't have brought him back. And if and if they did bring him back, they need to just treat him better. Like, stop, stop massacring my gays. Like, do what do what House of the Dragon did and let them run away and be free with their boyfriends. Like, don't kill them. Do not kill the gays. Hashtag save Tiki. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag save Tiki. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, um, the filler episodes were really what I enjoyed more about the Lupin versus Sherlock. Yeah, to clarify, filler episodes were more fun. Lupin versus Sherlock was disappointing. Why no British accents dub? And oh my god, can I just also be mad at fucking Twink Boy um, Moriarty? Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, can I, I? I will also advocate Switzerland is beautiful, and I do have a trip planned to go see the Reichenbach Falls. And I just need to throw this Twink Boy over the Reichenbach Falls <laughs> and just feel better about my life. I'll help. <laughs> The end. <laughs> so Drew, what are you <laughs> exacerbated side Drew? Oh boy. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the same approach that Emma did with this. I'm going to get my positives out of the way first. Because when I first pitched this idea of hey, maybe we should talk about part six, the one year anniversary is coming to be fun to do it. I immediately started regretting that decision when I started watching the the Holmes arc again. And the last week has been a roller coaster of me either, ooh, that was nice, or trying to dissociate. So, all right. So, the opening. I still love the opening of this series. I love the arrangement. I love the theme. And I said it when the series started. Like, it's not my favorite out of the new ones. I, I prefer... Vastly prefer, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I like I much prefer the openings of part four and five because they mm-hmm. get like a real like like a real energy to them and like a real visual thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing I love about the part six opening is that, um, and I've already said I said this on the first episode, but like it just proves that the Lupin gang can just be the coolest people around when they're just walking down the street with that theme playing. It is the most badass shit you will ever see, and it rocks. It's great. You got like bicycle shenanigans and running on a rooftop. Nice chase at the end. I love the shot of like the reflection and everything. And like it, it, it sets such a nice tone for it. And I, I, I really do like the one-offs for the most part. Like I, I kind of go in and out on them. Like I actually really like the, uh, the transcontinental railroad. That one's just a very silly episode. Very like part two, part three ish, especially the chase at the end where you've got, you've got Jigen and Goemon like on a two seater bicycle going up like a snowy mountain, like bitching at each other about like why they're on it. You've got Lupin on like a little pony with other dudes on ponies chasing after him. And then like he and Zinagata like having a catch up, like exposition conversation while they're mid chase and just completely misunderstanding each other the whole time. It's, 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 it's great. And you got Fujiko just being awesome, which is a running theme in this, which is, I think one of part five's part part five, one of part six (laughs) few like highly positive things for me is that Fujiko gets to be awesome frequently Mm -hmm. and more of that, please. I would greatly appreciate it. The killers in the diner. Cause again, I I, I really actually, I do like transcontinental railroad, but when you get those two Sherlock episodes, which I'll touch on 
and you go straight to Killers in the Diner. It is a like it breathes life into part six. And I'm going to be hyperbolic because it does for me like because uh, Katsuhiro Soweta directed it and they directed all of the very best episodes of this series, in my opinion. Just the atmosphere the the weird like you feel the dinginess of that diner and the the, the snappy dialogue back and forth the close-ups on everyone's mouths when you realize that they're like it's every time they quote a Hemingway like title it does like a like a close-up on their mouth and everything you got this ratcheting tension of all the hitmen including not Gogo 13 <laughs> <laughs> amongst the proceedings it also just feels like a Waffle House not an insane <laughs> As a southerner, again, I don't understand Waffle House. I had to interject because you said dingy and people meeting together to fight each other. Waffle House. Again, again, I don't get it because I live on the side of what the fuck is up Denny's. But the, uh, the ratcheting tension of like, you know, them quoting the killers, which the killers is a pretty like, it's funny, but there's like, it gets tense. Like the conversation between the two hitmen and uh, the waitress, and you get you get that tension that ratchets and ratchets and just has that explosive, incredibly animated just massacre when they all start just going at each other. It's awesome. The ballroom blitz. Ah, yes. For for a second, I thought I heard a bong and a blitz. <laughs> that too. But then, just the realization because. I enjoyed the episode on first watch just because a, I was kind of like, okay, wow, we're doing the killers. This is crazy. Oh shit. Everyone just died. Wait a minute. Now is it now it's wait, wait, hold it. Now it's like a, a full on TV special exposition. The fact that there is like a nearly like three minute long TV special, like exposition dump. And it exists solely for Lupin to squeeze in the last few Hemingway title references into it. Like ending up in Jigen being like, oh, what a freaking farce. Cause like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it, it is nuts. But the thing is, I love Lupin when it's nuts. It's what I would love to see more in the franchise is like taking creative risks, being kind of weird with it. Yeah, sure. Have a TV special exposition dump. Like, literally, it looks like it's about to set up a 90-minute special. And the episode's just like, what a freaking farce. You can't cook. Everyone pulls their guns on each other. End. (laughs) You know, I'm sorry to interject here, but I I just want to say that the fact that that exposition dump exists just for Lupin to get the last few titles from that anthology out, honestly, I think that is one of the funniest gags in Part 6 as a whole. I agree. I, I just love Lupin too. I find I find it clever, especially because, mm-hmm. like, you know, for context, I showed this episode because the episode, um, well, Darwin's Word came out on my birthday, but I showed this episode to my ex because he visited. He was in town, and I told him this is like the episode that like started division on Lupin Twitter, <laughs> and he watched it, and he's all like, he's all for government conspiracy theories and whatnot, and he's like this so division like this is actually pretty good especially with the historical connotation of the cia and he and i'm and i kind of had to look at him and i'm like yeah not everyone is you though (laughs) not everyone is you in that aspect dear but um i still you know i still can't for the life of me see where the division came from (laughs) um 
but it was just, it was jokes, fun. Jokes, I guess. Exactly. But it's like to the point where you guys have that much ire, like, come on. But come on. <laughs> come on. But, um, but like on first watch, I just thought that was objectively funny in of itself. Just like there was Mamoru Oshii literally just showed up, had an exposition dump at the end of this wild episode and then ended it. But then uh, Ian, Zoid the 9000, put out a thread explaining all the references. And like when I had that explainer, mm-hmm. it just made the episode even more like clever. It's And sure, you can call it pretentious. Fine, whatever. But it's Mamoru Oshii. I'd say the dude can afford to be pretentious because he's a good writer. Yeah. But he he doesn't do pacing very well, and I won't be the first no. to admit that. Like, there's just so much exposition dump, and I can see where people um, lose interest quickly, especially in a series of Lupin where, like, you want that action. But other mm-hmm. than that, he is not a terrible writer. He writes really good things. I loved him in Ghost in a Shell as, as, mm. a, as a writer. So when I heard he was doing Lupin, I was like, this can only bring forth good things. Mm-hmm. But a lot of dialogue. <laughs> And then after that, I am half and half on the the uh, the gold mask two parter because I love the first episode. Like <laughs> th- that opening chase is hilarious. the The time period's fun. You've got um uh Black Lizard Fujiko, or to quote uh to quote Sunny Straight in the the dub of episode nine of the woman called Fujiko Mine Ghost Town. <clears throat> Mama. <laughs> um here here's some water for you drew you seem thirsty (laughs) but no like like the setup is really fun and you've got this i know we were all very like actually like impressed with the fact that oh man there's actually you know like there's actually a relationship between two ladies who I'm I'm sure they're just friends, you know, just, you know, friends sit in bed and drink champagne and hold hands. That's what friends do, you know, gal pals. <laughs> and they were roommates. Um, <laughs> but the the second part of that two parter. I feel is just kind of clumsy overall, but mm-hmm. the reveal of Sarah and Toya being like a boy, the, uh, the future king. It's just, I don't know. That just like, I could be speaking out of my ass, but the first episode just straight up feels like queer bait. And I don't like that. Yeah. And it makes no, me like feel bad. I don't enjoy it. Cause like, I know a lot of people are really excited about the, uh, the opportunity for representation there. Um, and it just kind of, and I also like feel really bad because the way it's even written in the episode, you like see Rubrico when that reveal happens, she looks heartbroken. And it's mm-hmm. like, what was the purpose of this? I don't right. like this. Also, uh, Jigen in an imperialist uh, Japanese uniform is, uh, there's a lot going on there. Because, uh, yeah. you know, he's uh, he's the good one. Big air quotes. Where it's like, yeah, um, okay. That's yeah, there- yeah, there's no good Nazis, honey. Yeah, I, that, that, that was a part that I didn't like about it either. I was like, mm-hmm, no. And we can, and I could go on to the droll of like how it hits differently because you know we're, we're Americans, where it might have mm-hmm. hit a little bit differently in Japan. But let's not get into mm-hmm. that. Um, so I like the first half because it's fun setup. It's like you know, fun setup, and then uh, just kind of falls apart at the end. And I'm like, 
it doesn't destroy my goodwill towards the first half because I can just kind of pretend that one exists and be like, hey, that was a nice little one-off. You know, Lupin's stuck in that timeline now in that in that little splinter universe with Black with uh, Black Lizard Fujiko, and I, I I think he's a lucky man for it. Um, See, this uh, situations like this is why fanfic exists. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I'm sure we're going to get into that here in a bit. Oh, we yes. will. Again, um, Looplander. <laughs> last bullet. I'll get into that. Pretty good Jigen episode. Solid. Tangentially connected to the Sherlock arc. Uh, Darwin's Bird. Enough has been said about it already. Like, it's, it, I, I, I do find it. Mostly, like, by, it's, you. Mostly by you. <laughs> this is true. Which can't say it by me. It's great. <laughs> I, I, I love how. I, I want more Lupin dabbling in like existential, like creepy ass horror. I would greatly appreciate it because that episode still freaks me out in that second half when stuff starts reversing. Magical. Having two different series that I love have two evil Michaels was a very jarring experience. For me. I was like, okay. <laughs> the only thing I can say for that is, as a Catholic, I was just so thankful that there was like the existence of God. <laughs> I say this very sardonically because, you know, there was the existence of Christ in part two with his <laughs> vampire sister. Your brother was such a nice guy. I know. And then, you know, we get even more proof that God and the devil exist because. The Archangel Michael is here. Uh. I also feel like this is a good uh, place to interject once again and point out that Darwin's Bird gave this podcast the best title for an episode it's ever had. Yes, it, it did. did. You're welcome. The single vet, we, we will never like top that, I'm afraid. It's it's too good. Well, I don't know. Uh, we came close in Ladies' Night. We did. Are you talking about Mints? I am. Vignettes, oh, yeah. <laughs> the best title for the most abysmal episode of the series, but we'll get yeah, to we'll that. Get to that. Um, also, uh, one more I wanted to bring up that I don't think has been mentioned yet. Uh, the Jet Black Diamond. Yes. I love, love that it. episode. Yeah, that is one. so nice. Yeah, I, for, I forgot that was part of this half. Well, I also forget, I, I think I also forget that episode because um, everything else, like, the ire that I have over Lupin versus Sherlock and then my love for the other fillers kind of overshadows for me the the two-parter of Edgar Rampo and the pirate story. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I didn't like those. They were fun, but I just forgot about them because I have, you know, to, to quote Mean Girls, I just have a lot of feelings and I don't go here. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm going ha- to have to agree that, uh, yeah, if I had remembered what half of the series the Jet Black Diamond was in, I would have mentioned it as being a really fun uh, filler episode. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell Lupin Powder is, but, it's, but still, it's it, it's a very part two thing, though. It's indeed it's his, it's, it's his pheromones. It's his pheromones mixed with his perfume. You're welcome. Oh, that kind of takes <laughs> the fun out of it. <laughs> but that opens the door to. Uh, well, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. Man, I, for me, and I'm genuinely not being hyperbolic, I, the five Sherlock or Lupin versus Holmes episode are like all time franchise fucking lows for me because Say it, there's, Drew. there's so much promise in the idea of Lupin taking on Sherlock Holmes. And what we're left with is 
exposition. And not like the Oshi exposition that's like fun and sets a tone. It's literally the entire fucking story is just people explaining the things that are happening off screen to each other with like no tension, like no nothing. The whole Lily's backstory is set up for all of two episodes and then solved immediately in the third with the most obvious outcome. Uh, Lupin was there at the wrong place at the wrong time, and then she saw him, and then he did, and Watson's a good man, and this is kind of like, oh boy, and you almost wish that Lupin had him. <laughs> better backstory for Lily than the show did. Oh, and by way, I mean mostly me. Um, you mean with our Pepe Sylvie board? Yes, our mm-hmm. Pepe Sylvie board was so much better than this pile of shit arc um (laughs) sherlock holmes being this godlike well i don't want to say that he's it's like emma said it best like how do you make sherlock holmes this like boring he is a two by four which is like become our favorite term for (laughs) anyone boring here but like literally everyone in the town loves him um, every interesting thing about his character traits are explained to us. We're, we're not shown like his internal struggle, really, that like he used to solve big cases. Now he does little ones. We're told this in the first we're two not, episodes. Like, we're not even nice. shown that like how much of a genius he is. No. Anything that's shown is like basic as fuck. Like- the most frustrating thing is in that second episode when he finds their hideout and it's just shots of him looking at a map like circ- doing circles. And then it cuts back to the Lupin gang. And I, I'm torn because I do like a lot of the Lupin gang stuff. But some of the Lupin gang stuff is them also like forcing the gang to have exposition that explains the story, which I don't like. Like that bit where like Lupin says something to the effect of, you know, oh, Sherlock's probably finding us. Yeah, I heard that he uh, I heard that he collects different dust and has a wide collection. That's how I probably did. I'm like, you know what would have been nice? Seeing that. Well, I can I just interject and say that like, they kind. I like to think that the showrunners kind of assume that people already like, you know, thanks to the thanks to the cultural zeitgeist, knew about um, Sherlock Holmes factors. But at the same time, that's a little bit presumptive that people yeah. that people, you know, come into this knowing things about Sherlock Holmes. It's also so, it, No, agreed. Because like no, I, I, I could. I could. I have a lot of friends who don't know about Sherlock Holmes as a. They know about the cultural zeitgeist, but they don't know those little things of like him collecting dirt and his opium addiction. That would have been nice. That's the horrible thing I just said, but it would have been. <laughs> it would, yeah, it would have made him more interesting. <laughs> and, but like you know, like even if the writers are assuming that people are already familiar with the character, perhaps the audience would also like to see how the show handles. Thank you. Know, you. Mm-hmm. Handles things that we already do know, you know. Mm-hmm. See if there's any new twist on it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's half the fun of an adaptation. Yeah, agreed. And then you've got uh, Lily Watson, who is God, like the most boring girl of the week that has probably existed in quite some time. Literally, that child exists to have exposition headaches to advance the plot forward. Like, and it's like, oh, the plot needs to move. Ah, collapse. It's that Sailor Moon meme where it's the guy walking down the street and he goes like, ah, and like collapses. <laughs> that's not just some guy that's in Dimian. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't watched but that. But that's actually done well. Like he's, 
past ah! and stuff like it's actually an interesting thing yeah <laughs> and also like it also is odd that this whole arc hinges on the fact of sherlock being like let me take uh, my best friend's daughter and re-traumatize her to unlock this memory let me take you back to the place where uh, you know your father died and give you the exact same circumstances and trigger that ptsd again I'm great. Okay, see, again, it would be nice to explore that because it would be nice to have a Sherlock Holmes who is a cold asshole and does that. Right. And then of his ways. But but still, call CPS on Holmes. Like, take the child away. Like, full, like, I, I hate like, this reference. So that's, like, full, like, Dumbledore shit. Yep. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, yeah, no, it would have been more interesting if it was beat, like, full on asshole. Like yeah. he was doing it on purpose, but like to get like to the like the means of things. That's mm-hmm. my question. What of the warts is my question at the end of the day. <laughs> what of the warts are they extensive? <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, he brings her a young child to a murder scene. <laughs> the real estate agent gets like shot like three times. Like in the middle of an alley, and they just like go to the scene, and there's like a bunch of people around, but Lily's there, the twelve year old by the murder scene. Okay. Oh God, the real estate agent, the dude who shows up in the yeah. second class episode, and when this was like, oh yeah, Paul, Paul died. You remember Paul? I don't know what his yeah, and then like, kind of like, what? Why are we talking about this guy on a first name basis? Yeah. You know, I was just going to point out that I guess the whole thing about bringing a child to a murder scene didn't really uh, phase me because I've. I watch a lot of Detective Conan. Conan is technically 17 years old because it's Shinichi. And Not it's his like, friends. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> also, because they make up, like, in parts, obviously, like, Sherlock's supposed to be very brilliant, but again, they don't really show us that. They tell us, and it's very basic. And the same thing with Lily. She's mm-hmm. supposed to be, like, a mini, mini John Watson. Uh, but, like, she's not any more clever. Like, she's not like Ami, where, it's, like, she's, like, breaking into, like, really high security, like, back doors and stuff. It's just, like, very basic deductions. I'm mm-hmm. um, like, uh, come on. Like, it's supposed to be a very brilliant uh, detective, and I just never felt that way. You know, you, you bring up Ami, Emma, and it just... Brings us back to us when we talked about Princeton in the past and how we were just so happy that the girl of the week was actually a full grown, a full grown ass woman. And it's like, regressed here. yeah. And it's like, what is it with Lupin and these young girls and, and really like, really uh, thinning the lines of like, of what is correct and what is boundaries. Like a lot of how, like I was thinking, because obviously I prefer like adult women, but like, I, I don't mind, like, children being used in the story if they're used, like, effectively. I, because I don't really consider Ami's age is debated. Um, so, <laughs> question mark. Yeah, question mark. Um, <laughs> so I'm not even sure, other than, like, taking apart her, like, I'm not even sure there's really a good, like, example of a child being used in this, except for, like, Michael from Bye Bye Lady Liberty. Yeah. But be it boy, uh, which I'm like, has that happened since? Like using a small boy? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So I, I don't mind a children be, child be uh, usually very much like children. But like Lily just like 
is so like not even annoying like julia because i want to throw julia off a cliff everyone not wants just, to throw julia off a cliff yeah i just like find her incredibly boring i'm like man i just don't get out of here like yeah it's like uh, i think and th- th- this is a, a one of the big things i want to tackle with the sherlock holmes arc and it's f- apart from well i think this is why i have my biggest issues with it like it is literally the antithesis of show don't tell first and foremost there's like maybe two good action scenes there's like three action scenes i'm kind of my hand in it and they're okay at best they're they're like refreshing in the arc but like the pacing of the arc is like confoundingly terrible because you've got two episodes that are pure like setup that build a momentum and immediately at the end of the second episode, it's Sherlock and Lupin face off and Lupin's like, well, I'm going to go fuck off somewhere. And then it is four completely unrelated episodes. One of them being a two-parter that gets you on a whole different story. You go from episode two to episode seven. Which is an untold tale. An untold mm-hmm. tale, which is literally nothing but exposition throughout the whole thing. And also disrespect. I'm not going to like. Yeah, it's exposition at the expense of Zenigata. Ooh, I, I, I'm not going to touch that because I could go on that for a long time. And that episode in and of itself completely solves the mystery that those two set of episodes did. And then goes like, oh, yeah, the Raven. Ah, the Raven's nothing. It's the professor you have to worry about. And also the Raven, I think. And you're like, what? And then after that, it is three more episodes of one-offs and so you go from episode seven episode eight does not count because that involves lily but not really you see it for like half a second and then lily's in disguise and you see sherlock it 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 does nothing it advances nothing it's a flashback so it is three episodes you go from episode seven to episode 11 and then everything's just ending already and oh boy I listened back to some of our older episodes, and boy, I was very uh, eager to uh, dunk on part five as part six began airing. Since then, after watching part six, I have rewatched part five in its entirety, and at some one of these days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to draft a formal apology letter to uh, part five as a whole, because the pacing in part five is kind of beautifully done compared to this. I have issues with the end of it, but like the fact that you've got the Lupin game arc, which is its own little contained story that has a satisfying opening, a satisfying ending that leaves the door open. Same for the second arc. But the thing you don't realize, you do, you do realize, but like you find out as it's going on, it is crescendoing to a conclusion. Whether the conclusion works or not, that's up for debate. Like, I have my issues with it. I don't like the third arc much at all. Or And I'll get to that more when we get to the second half of this, because uh, there's a bit of a connection there. But, like, I think it stumbles at the end, because I think the final arc should have been a little bit longer. You know, especially Goemon turning on Lupin is very contrived. That's the only aspect that, like, really doesn't work, and Enzo is a very undercooked and underdeveloped villain. However, I will take an arc that is at least like nicely paced and has big ideas 
even if it doesn't succeed, over an incomprehensibly paced just mess. Because, like, and I did. When you watch those, that first, what was the first 12 episodes, even when you're binge watching it, it is excruciating. At least for me, it was. It works better as a binge than a week to week basis. And I figured that out, like, when I watched it. But yeah. It's just the, the stop and go pace of it just frustrates me so much. And the fact that like that this 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 is a bigger issue I have with part six. And I know I've heard some others say this too. They 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 really tried to have their cake and eat it too, with like either do one offs that are literary based or based on literature and have that be the first chunk. Or do the Sherlock arc. You know what I mean? Like, pick right. one or the other. Or greatly lessen the one-offs. Or, better yet, uh, I'll say that for the end. because yeah, that, that, if, that, we, if we lessen the one-offs, then we would lose the strongest episode. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's a big... I'll go ahead and mention it, because we'll get to this near the end. But, like, the, the thing... My biggest issue with Part 6 is that this series should have either been... The Sherlock story for 24 episodes with one-offs mixed in there like part five did or part four. Yeah. Or the Tomoe story with those one-offs in that because those two stories are just, the ideas are too big for the five episodes they run for. I say that. I think the Tomoe one handles it way better. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that they're kind of squeezed together I don't think both get to fully live up to their full potential. And I'll, that, that's where I'll end it there. Cause I've been rambling for way too long now. <laughs> so let's move on to the, uh, the second arc of part six. That is the witch and gentleman arc with the main arcs written by Shigeru Murakoshi. Uh, Natalie, how do you feel about that arc in particular? I have feelings. No, <laughs> no. Um, that storyline was far better than the Sherlock versus Holmes mm. arc, and I like that it took me, um, it took me to like the penultimate episodes to realize that they were all connected. That being said, um, the fillers I enjoyed a little bit more, but it was nice to know that the fillers were also connected to the story. But I think they should have just been left on their own because when you find out that the reason they're all connected is because some woman completely um, fucks up the autonomy of other women just to get back at her supposed son or just to bring him into the fold and do a freaking Manchurian candidate sort of thing um, doesn't sit well with me. And neither does um, my mother's documents sit well with me as someone who has personally seen violence and is a sexual assault survivor. Like, I couldn't even bring myself to watch that episode dubbed because of the content matter. And I'm one of those people that don't really need trigger warnings or, you know, content warnings. And I'm not saying that if you need them, you're weak, you're weak or anything. It's just for my, for my personal experience, I just don't really need them. I kind of brace myself. But that would have been nice for it for once. And I think it's just because 
and, and this correlates also to what I mentioned with like, when we talked about retrospectively, when we talked about like even bringing in a politician to the storyline and making it very, very set in gritty realism with like, you know, Lupin meets Tom Clancy, but we prefer Lupin meets Tom and Jerry. I stand by what I said that like, I want my Lupin to be fun and adorable and, you know, like have shenanigans. I don't need a lot of realism in my Lupin because I watch Lupin to escape. I don't watch Lupin to remind me of the horrors of the of the world. That's why I watch Outlander and <laughs> House of the Dragon. But that being said, it's not that bad. It's not as worse as the Sherlock versus um, Holmes arc. It was better taken care of, but gritty realism for the sake of gritty realism and something that doesn't necessarily need it because it's not a woman called Fujiko Mine is not re- is not really something that I vibed with. But other than that, it was way better than Sherlock. Again, way better than Lupin versus Sherlock. And my favorite filler episode will always be that fan fiction episode because it just validated what I like to do. <laughs> yeah. Which is making making of stories for the Lupin gang and I don't know, putting Goimon in a dress because it's fun. Not that it hasn't been done before, but I do it again. <laughs> it's nice to see. Yes. <laughs> uh, Emma, how do you feel about it? I quite like the second half. First of all, I like it better than the first. Like when I did when I did my episodes I like and then meh, I did kind of like, it looks like a like one of those alignment like charts like, <laughs> um, where I have like part the first arcs and then second arc. And then the episodes I like for the second arc is way longer. I pretty much like most of them except for three episodes. Like the first one, Invitation from the Past, is just incredibly fun i know like i was on that guested on that episode and like we talked about being like really back to basics form with lupon using the little bugs the little drones um led to a lot of the dub lines uh like when jigan's asking about the flowers uh lupon says uh, something along the lines of hey what's with the flowers i have feelings for you jigan Again, you get a lot of those really sweet, like, familial moments within the gang. Like, them cooking for each other, um, them fighting with each other, uh, Lupin, like, yawning over the newspaper, reading about Holmes, because we all did that. And then, yeah, Goemon always, like, making soba noodles, because he keeps losing. Uh, Just love little bits and pieces like that, and you see that a lot in this arc in particular are like I've always appreciated any of the and that's probably why I sound like I like the opening so much because you see a lot of those little familial bits and pieces with the gang and them actually being very affectionate uh towards each other in different ways also the invitation from the past is just like a classic like heist which a lot like with the classic heist you also have win or lose in 0.1 seconds which is Mm. Please Just, let me get uh, hurt on that. <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal. Unfortunately, the dub like jingle did not like was not as much of an earworm as the sub jingle. <laughs> I hear that in my like sleep. <laughs> I just, Goddamn noise pollution. 
it's so funny. It, like, Jigen and Fujiko, like, arguing each other. Like, it's your hat getting in the way and stuff. Um, so that good. episode was just so, all four of them working together was just so sweet. Really and you like, get crazy rabid fangirl. Um, what's her name? Talk? Yeah, me. I love her. Uh, yeah, um, um, Honestly, the best twist of the entire damn series. Yes. <laughs> the massive Lupin the Third fangirl. I mean, it's like that shocked me when I first watched it. And it was, <laughs> it blew my mind. I, I, she was also a, a character, you see her in the crowd of Invitation from the Past. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't notice that the first time around. Wedding Bells with the Sound of Gunfire was probably my favorite Jigen, aside from episode zero, uh, probably like my favorite like Jigen-based episode. I just really, really like the somber feel of that. Um, the one where Goemon is a model is really sweet and really cute and Gabby mm-hmm. is just a wonderful character. Two terrible ladies, also one of my favorite episodes on this arc. Um uh Fujiko and I know Drew said this. Fujiko is probably the dominant part of part six, like when mm. I watched it. And I th- honestly think she's the best character of the entire series. Which I'm that's probably the strong like part six like what keeps it in good grace for me um like i can't dislike it because of this because she's so strong honestly the like the last two and the the fan fiction episode is just really sweet and funny fakes attract lies i i don't even care like about like the serious aspects do i prefer it funny yeah absolutely but a lot of the anime I watch is serious, so it doesn't really bother me uh, when Lupin can even get serious. Sometimes I can find it actually quite intriguing to see what can be done with it. I just find that very boring. I didn't think it added anything to the story. And then, of course, we're probably going to talk about later. My Mother's Documents is probably the worst episode in the entire part. Mm. I, rewatched, I rewatched that just because like, I felt like I had to. Because I was like, did I dis do I dislike it as much as I remember? So I watched it. Yes. <laughs> I probably actually disliked it more the second time I watched it because A, I knew what was coming, but B also just like sometimes it takes me a few times to like watch to be able to pick up on things. It's just a confusing episode. It's uh, like confusing. And then you have such a graphic scene with, like, no content warning whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And, again, like, typically don't need that type of stuff, like Mm -hmm. Natalie. But that, like, even the second time around, I, like, knew it was coming. I jumped. And I'm like, why? What is the purpose of this? This This is not adding anything to the story, and it's confusing. I was like, the only part that I liked about it is Finn and Matea, um, had like being had level intrigue with her. That was literally like the and like Jigen and Goemon like being cute over fish. Those were the only parts that I really liked of that episode. Otherwise, I thought I don't like it at all. Um, but overall, the second arc I think is a lot stronger. 
Uh, then the first, uh, there's a lot of episodes I like, but those three are just major stickout points to me that I just don't really care for at all. So, Chris. What? How are you feeling about it? Oh, my God, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I feel like a, my main thing with uh, Gentleman and Witch is it starts off even stronger than Lupin versus Holmes did, in my opinion. Because I remember when that first episode hit, I got really excited with the uh, direction that things were going. And I want to say, like, you know, the story about Tomoe and all this, it, I felt like it stayed fairly strong. But then there's just like a sudden drop off near the end. Well, I mean, may not that sudden. I mean, face attracts lies. It was all right, I guess. And uh, I, I'm going to have to echo this, everybody's thoughts on my mother's document. It, I, I don't understand the point. It, it almost feels like this is like an episode meant for a different anime series altogether. Right. Yeah. But the writer that came up with the concept was working on a loop on a third story, so they tried to work it in. I mean. That's how it felt to me. And like that's kind of a problem with a lot of part six and actually a little bit of part five as well. Is that you know, during uh Ladies' Night, and I think tea time as well, I kept using a phrase I picked up from the Stone Age Gamer podcast, which is anime nonsense. And it's like I get it. Lupin the Third is an anime franchise. But that's not what attracts me to it. You know, it's like all your typical like you know, popular like Shonen or uh, Seinen anime tropes, it doesn't look good with Lupin III, I think. You know, because, I mean, like you guys know me, you know, I'm the manga scholar, which, by the way, I wrote a, uh, what I think is a pretty good article on Lupin Central about the manga, but... Read it. Please. <laughs> please read it. It's please. really good. No, no, please. Read it. Yeah. <laughs> now. Where are your manners, Drew? <laughs> Gone after shooting Holmes. <laughs> so instead of listening to me talk, read what I wrote. Either way, you're getting me. So, but yeah, so like, uh, you know, Monkey Punch drew a lot of influence, you know, obviously from Osama Tezuka of Astro Boy fame, as well as others. But a big part of his influence came from Western sources, such as Mad Magazine and Tom and Jerry. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I appreciate part two as much as I do. And three as well. It's because they don't lean into those anime trappings. And so I feel like that's why I was a little brought down that parts five and especially six, you know, did seem to lean into more typical anime-esque tropes. And like not just storytelling-wise as well, but also with the, uh, you know, character designs. You know, like I went, it's like I, I get it, like there's a lot of room for interpretation, but the characters in part six just look so typical you know, anime, so to speak. And, I mean, our main five, they look all right, but, but yeah, I mean, even comparing it to part five, it's it's a noticeable downgrade. But, so yeah, that's my problem with stuff like My Mother's Documents. It just did not fit at all. And I thought that the uh, conclusion was fairly uh, okay at best. It's like, I, I didn't dislike it particularly. I didn't really love it either. It was just okay, I guess. Now, the stuff I did like, win or lose in 0.1 seconds. <laughs> I, I, of said course. It, I said it before in our in our previous episode about it, but in my opinion, that is the best episode of Lupin III of the last 10 years. You know, like when they brought the TV series concept back from 
starting with a woman called Fuchika Mine to now. Win or lose in 0.1 seconds is the best. What about the other safe episode from part five? That is the best episode of part five. And I don't have it too. But I just think, like, I don't know, win or lose, it it utilizes all five main characters incredibly well. It has that amazing twist, you know, in the beginning that we mentioned. Okay, I'm not a big fan of Lupin's opinion on classes, but... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I say I say this while talking to two ladies wearing glasses right now, and trust me, you both look gorgeous in them. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to have to disagree with him on that. But yeah, I, I thought the episode itself was it was hilarious. It was so much fun. It's like this is I just want 24 episodes of this. I, I know, I keep saying it. Yeah, you know, we don't really have a direct line TMS, so it feels like I'm just kind of shouting through the void here. But, but yeah, I just kind of want to move away from the typical anime stuff and get back to the roots. I, uh, I, to interject, uh, like what you're saying about my mother's documents not fitting. I think I actually said something very similar. I think in a conversation with Drew, cause I was like, I expect that kind of like darkness out of like some other anime series. Mm. Like I've seen the chimera ant arc of Hunter X Hunter. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow i was like holy shit um so i expected out of series like that i don't expect it out of series like this Mm-mm. so you're right like it doesn't fit at all well it's like it's like i mentioned earlier we prefer the tom and jerry lupon over the tom clancy lupon though that was more of like i don't know i don't want to say game of thrones or um Outlander Lupin, that was just, or even like Sopranos. It felt like Sopranos Lupin, and it's not what I not even because it wasn't even good. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it was Sopranos Lupin. Okay, that's I mean, interesting. Sopranos Lupin would fit, but yeah, no, that would be I actually did. pretty cool. This is yeah. just gratuitous. I will. I will say this. Like, uh, uh, how do you how do you pronounce your name? Matia. Matia. Matea, yeah, Matea, yeah. whatever. I thought the revelation about her character was fantastic. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, for yeah. the first few episodes, like, when she first appeared, I thought they were doing yet another, you know, pure, innocent, virginal Clarice type of character. Because there's one thing TMS loves, just reminding us that Castle Cagliostro exists. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, you remember Cagliostro, one of our best Lupin films? We're going to make sure of it for the next 50 years. No, thanks, guys. I almost forgot. Like I was right on the verge of being like, wasn't there a movie that came out a long time ago? But yeah, like, oh, that was, thank you. Yeah, that was, a, that was so much better than this. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, but so, but revealing that she is actually not a Clarice type and right. a, a stone cold killer. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Now that talk about something I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, like I'll say, like this show, especially the second half, does the sudden unexpected twist really well, right? You know, both mm-hmm. for drama, drama and for comedy. You know, I I, I really dug that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even though that episode was actually kind of, if I remember correctly, was kind of light on actual Lupin gang shenanigans, mm-hmm. and it focused quite a bit on uh, Yada and Ari. Ari, thank you. Like, Prison in the Past made me appreciate Yada. Yada! Here we go. 
tell us how you really feel about Yato, Chris. Just, just it's tell a, us. It's a solution looking for a problem that doesn't exist. <laughs> also, I wanted to comment, because Chris, you're talking right now. Because I rewatched, I watched the dub. I did not hear the mistake in the name. <laughs> oh, for, for, for Goemon? Yeah, I did not hear that. In uh, which episode? Uh, huh? In which episode? Oh, no, oh. I didn't hear one. So I don't think it oh. happens. So okay. I think we're safe there. <laughs> we were spared. <laughs> well, I don't know. In that time travel two-parter, they managed to slip a Goemon Ishikawa to 13th in the subs. I didn't hear it in the dub. Okay, that's good. Yeah, anyway. I didn't hear it either. So yeah. you, you can stop complaining for once. This is going to bother me until they consistently fix it. <laughs> His name is just Goemon Ishikawa. <laughs> the generational suffix, that's a Western thing. They don't do that in Japan. <laughs> His name is Goemon Ishikawa, and he is in the house. In the house. <laughs> He is the thirteenth of his name. Wielder of Zangtetskin, samurai warrior and protector of the realm. And a damn good model, too. Ah, beat me to it. That was, that was <laughs> as well, by the way. I really enjoyed that one. Good yeah. job. Good job, Emma. But yeah, like once again, like the one off episodes I I really dug, including my favorite episode of the last ten years. <laughs> Although I do think that uh, wedding bells ring with the sound of gunfire, I didn't dislike it, but it just seemed kind of uh, formulaic, I guess. It's like in the Jigen episode, there's a lady from his past. He has to let her go. But as has been pointed out already, she didn't die, so that that's new. But yeah, like overall, stronger than the first half. Kind of it's really stumbles near the end, though. All right, Drew, your turn. Alrighty. So... I'll do the uh, reverse this time since I am mostly positive on this arc uh, than I am the Sherlock one. So I'll get my negatives out of the way first. And honestly, the first one is like, it, I'm kind of iffy on it because fakes the track lies. I agree with Emma. It's just, at least the first part, it's just boring. It's unspectacular. And like, because that's that, that was my thing. And so I mentioned on the episode, like, I don't. I, I enjoy Lupin like dealing in like political intrigue, especially when it's done really fun. Like Mamo does it excellently. Right, right. A lot of other entries do it. It's the fact that it is so real world with nothing else interesting to it. Like there's no heightened fun to it. It's just like the stakes are a politician and deep fakes might get out. I'm like, and if the deep fakes get out, like what happens? Like, Oh, her career going down the toilet it's like it's a oh no anyway um, and it's just the fact that she, that character is uh once again a two by four i don't know I, I just did not find her interesting at all as far as like because you know the whole thing is i remember the the advertising for it was you know the first theme was mystery the second theme was women the second it one was, was just straight up it was just Woman. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> so, I feel like that might be just because of how uh, the Japanese language handles uh, plurals. Yeah. 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 They don't really, as far as I know, they don't really change up the word for plurals. So I do like how it reads, though. It's very dramatic. Yeah. So it's like, what's the second half? Woman. Like, whoa. All right. <laughs> yeah. like, ah. I'm in. It's like the concept of woman in general. It's. Yeah. it's 
but I found her to be the most like uninteresting of Tomoe's students. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't get to spend much backstory with her. The only thing is she's a politician. She's surrounded by other asshole politicians and they're all being terrible to each other. And it's like, well, well. <laughs> she dies. And it's kind of like, you're a politician. Like that's part of the course <laughs> happens. Sorry. Um, I'm, I'm just being mean to be mean now, but um, tell us how salty you really are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I will say that that arc, like I'm not big on it. It's okay. The ending of the second episode, I hold it a little higher esteem considering that it builds up to the reveal that the, the TV special girl of the week is a psycho, like, 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 like a psycho killer who's <laughs> been like, like MK ultra that, that moment when <laughs> her eyes just like go blank in that conversation. And she lunges at Ari that, I, I can't hate on the fake Atrakalai's art because it does get to bonkers stuff. The thing is, it takes two episodes to get to it. But then again, right? I don't know. I guess I like I I find most of it boring, but I appreciate where it builds up to. So I'm not going to hate on it too much, despite me already doing that for the last few minutes. Um, look, y'all, I like to be a hater sometimes. It's fun. <laughs> uh, but, uh, boy, there's just really no way to address this. Gently, my mother's documents is God. That just makes me feel gross. I don't like watching that. I don't like. I I I want to like the second arc a lot more, and I do like the second arc way more than the Holmes one. But the fact that like it's the last episode before the final two parter, and the fact that like nearing the finish line we get the uh, the off-screen sexual assault of a high schooler like reference and then mm-hmm. a high schooler shooting other classmates in the cafeteria shown on unsettlingly like realistic security cam footage Makes my skin crawl. Right. I am. I'm like, sure. I might be like, I may be overreacting. I'm hyperbolic. I am like, you, you just, you just, you just. I'm sorry. Like, it just makes me feel gross. I don't like, I'm not saying that that type of material shouldn't be touched to like, I'm not a fucking idiot, but like, it's just very graphic. Yes. It's, yeah. it's very graphic. It serves no purpose at all to the narrative. It's like, I do feel like, I, I agree with you. It's like, I'm not saying that this sh- shouldn't be touched on or addressed in fiction. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this isn't the show to be touching on that or addressing it. No, yeah. And if you are, you better be Sayo Yamamoto and Mario Kata and have a reason to be incorporating the subject matter. Because the way it kind of like comes across to me is that like they they are trying to like approach like that type of storytelling but a you're doing that shit too late into the story that's already like it's darker to a degree but it's still loop on the third it's lighthearted and and uh sorry to cut you off here but oh, go ahead go ahead yeah I, I saw the direction you were going and again i agree because i think the woman called fujiko mine can get away with it mm-hmm. because for one thing it's uh, handling it in a very, uh, 
you know, stylistically tasteful way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, there's some actual, like, you know, writing skill behind it. Yes. And also, that show is a spinoff. Mm-hmm. This is a main loop on the third part, whatever. Yep. And, like, I feel like it's just incredibly out of place for this mm-hmm. particular series. And, like, spoilers for the woman called Fujikamine. Sorry. But, like, I, I saw a read of <laughs> I, I, I saw a read of it once that like the whole thing is like obviously throughout the series it's insinuated that like Fujiko went, underwent abuse as a child mm-hmm. and it's like almost kind of like you're, you're kind of thinking like oh so that's why she is the way she is because like all this happened and it's like this reclamation of like no that's like a like that's like fuck that trope like it's she's always like she's always enjoyed treasure she's always enjoyed having sex it's not like like because it's like a very i don't know again i could be talking my i could be talking out of my ass but it feels like a very male concept to be like surely this woman underwent this to be this way like that's the only way i like that's the only way it can be understood it's like nah nah she's fujiko she's always enjoyed this you don't need some dark gritty ass backstory for you to be like Right. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it's like you don't need a trauma-filled background to do these things. Like, yeah, and honestly, be an empowered woman. <laughs> and honestly, this, is a, this, is a, this isn't a hot take or anything, but this has been a hot take recently amongst feminist content creators and writers of like, do we really need trauma-filled backstories? Do we really need rape as a... Um, as a, as a storytelling device. No, and honestly, we're in an era where we don't need it because it just serves sometimes no purpose. I can understand like, like using it once for some character development, but honestly, we really don't need it. Um, it, it just, it just adds nothing, I feel. And, and, and this is coming from a trauma survivor. And, and that factors into like the kind of grand point I'm getting to here and then I'll move on. It's just like the one called Fujiko Mine uses that subject matter and has something pretty profound to say about it in the ending. And then you get to this arc and it is used as a like shocking plot device and then immediately thrown away for like Finn to learn this about her mother. And Finn's just gone after that. That is literally just used to be like, look how fucking evil Tomoe is, huh? And it's like, I I don't it just feels shocking for the sake of being shocking and it makes my skin crawl. So and it's one reason why like I like this arc a lot. I can never say I love this arc because I I I can't separate that episode from it unfortunately for me and like I, I, if people can that's okay and I'm not like I'm not going to let's touch on this here. I'm not going to condemn people who like maybe get something out of that, get something out of that episode or like like this whole arc you can love a thing and be very critical of it those two things are not mutually exclusive in a way it almost like i've said before it almost shows that you love it more yep uh that's always how i thought of it yeah i mean i i think We've talked about this a lot with the Lupin fandom that different strokes for different folks, but at the same time, I like to say that we can come to a consensus when something doesn't work or just something doesn't fit that genre. It worked in Woman Called Fujiko Mine because it already set up for that gritty for that grittiness and that, you know, kind of like callback to 
monkey punches manga which hasn't which a lot of it hasn't hasn't aged very well but i still enjoy it surprisingly but it's like with with my anime lupin the third that is very tom and jerry lupin the third i i don't need my realism in it i i really don't i don't like i don't mind military coups but i do mind school shootings <laughs> yeah it, exactly and like again it it's Part five had a similar issue with Ami's backstory like that. I have come to actually really enjoy part five a lot. But again, I love part five. I have very strong criticisms of part five. I think mm-hmm. stuff with Ami is kind of gross also just because of how it serves no purpose and also feels kind of exploitative and it's not explored. It's like, hey, this happened. And then it makes the uh, the panty shot and her trying to have sex with Lupin just it looms a weird shadow over that that I don't like. But there's a lot of part five I still like, and the positives outweigh the negatives. So, you know. See, uh, I think it's interesting you bring up part five and, you know, Ami's whole deal because I feel like for the long, or I was say for the longest time, I think I still feel that way to an extent, is that the way you feel about uh, this episode, My Mother's Documents, mm-hmm. and how it kind of sours you on the story arc as a whole. Mm-hmm. I do think that's kind of how I feel about in regards to Ami's backstory. Mm-hmm. And regards to part five because you know i'm with you like i love those first two arcs especially the first one but at the same time you know the way ami is introduced like you said it feels exploitative Mm -hmm. and then you get her backstory which is incredibly dark very disturbing in the middle of what should be a really fun story involving a bunch of uh you know assassins straight from the manga gunning after lupon and each other and it just that does kind of sour me on something I would otherwise really really like, mm-hmm. and then I think that just kind of, you know, I guess it doesn't bother me as much in part six because it comes so late into the series. Yeah, but I can understand time, that. That, yeah, does, yeah. that does kind of spread into like that last episode as well. Mm-hmm. Even though you could probably just cut out my mother's documents and still be able to follow the story just fine. It's right. the exact same way you can cut out like that aside about Ami's backstory and like, yeah, the panty shot would be kind of weird and like, yeah, but it would, well, I mean, honestly, that panty shot's weird. The panty shot was weird in general. I mean, I show that to people and they're like, okay, okay. That's a little, you know, I think it's, it it just kind of skews me out just because her age is a big question mark. You're just kind of like, even, even if she was legal, which some, some instances it doesn't buy it mentally I, she's still yeah. a child yeah. and that's what makes it worse because mm-hmm. she's not you know because of her trauma she's not yeah. you know fully developmentally and it's like uh i still don't like this and see i do think that uh you know despite our our you know the issues we all have with ami's backstory i do think it does explore her character it is important to the character mm. but at the same time i feel like from a writing perspective it didn't have to be yeah, they could have written that character differently. Yeah. But that's part and, five. We're talking about part six. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll move on from this little bit. Because again, it is it is good to tackle stuff like this. Because honestly, and I think we all agree here, it is important to criticize something you love. Because like I think, I think Emma said it best. I, I think it shows that you love something all the more. That you're willing to just kind of give us some, you know, some tough love when it's kind of shitty because things you love can be kind of shitty from time to time. Take, I love the James Bond series. There's a lot to unpack. 
<laughs> Again, years of movies. <laughs> hey, I, if you follow my Twitter, I love Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon right now. But, you know, that first episode of House of the Dragon and the fact that the fandom really cheers for incest is just... I don't cheer for incest in real life, but Damon Rhaenyra, that, that's my shit right there. <laughs> and so we'll, we'll, we'll move past this subject matter. I guess we can just sum it up with the fact that, you know, my mother's documents, it kind of t- tries to tackle subject matter similar to the one called Fujiko Mine with all the tact and grace of a fart during a dear relative's funeral. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it just slips out. Oh, so that's happened to you, Emma, because that's happened to me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and the thing is, my grandfather taught me to pull like pull his finger, so he probably appreciated it. <laughs> um, I, I, but I think I was like, I don't know about a uh, bad writing decisions can be explained away as, uh, sorry, I didn't clinch hard enough; it just slipped out. Like. <laughs> As a writer myself, like I don't think I can make that excuse work. That's how I approach all of my writing. It just slipped out. Oh lord! Not not me suddenly clenching my own butt cheeks right now. (laughs) Hey, many I'm prepared. But getting to my positives with it, I'll I'll, kind of speed these up because everyone's already said a good. I. Like most of the one-offs, I kind of I love some of them. Specifically, uh, "Welcome to the Isle of Bubbles" is adorable. It is so wholesome. The episode just makes me happy. Again, whenever it's really light, breezy, because uh, "Island of Bubbles" kind of has a part three feel to it, almost to a degree, which I really enjoyed. "Win or Lose" in zero point one seconds is the best episode right after Oshi's for me personally. Like that, that's like the holy trinity is those right there. <laughs> Wedding bells ring for the sound of gunfire. I like it. I, I will agree with Chris. And th- that's the thing with some of these one-offs where I'm like, I like it. However, there is like a laundry list of Jigen like one-off like, like one-offs that I like a whole lot more from previous series. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's just like, you know, it's no, it's no, you know, combat ma- magnum scattered in the wasteland, but really, really what is. Um, and also just like, and here, I- I'll be more fair to it. Parts four and five, I think, also have Jigen episodes I like a little more, you know, with a gun in my hand, you know, the town in Italy with the dentist and stuff is with a uh, gun banger. in my hand. <laughs> and um, uh, I forget the uh, the title, but it's the, uh, what was it? It's the episode with Jigen versus the sniper's daughter in part five, which I also absolutely love because the animation in that is God tier in places. And Jigen has the right he has the right hairstyle. Oh, um, something Mirage. Yes, something, something Mirage. I'll insert it here. Yeah, here. <laughs> A 7.62-millimeter Mirage. Uh, Samurai Collection is lovely. I think Goemon also gets a lot of great stuff in this. Well, I say that. In the second half, Goemon gets some fun stuff to do. Specifically Samurai Collection, because we get, um, um, oh, Natalie, please help me. What's the name of the cat from Cats that Goemon is dressed as? Oh, um, Monkestrap? That's it. Monkestrap Goemon. Coincidence, because I recently saw Cats again nice. last Friday. But again, Samurai Collection, cute episode. Also, uh, right after Black Lizard Fujiko, we have Gabby. Also, my wife. My wife. Have... <laughs> oh, two terrible ladies. Yeah. You have got... Fujiko and what's the other character's name? I forget. Um, Amelia. 
Amelia. So you got Fujiko and Amelia taking on a dickhead cult leader, which right on. I love it. Ending of that one's so wholesome. And not the fun kind of dickhead from part one. Exactly. Not the not 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 the uh not the dickheads, the puppeteers behind everything bad in the Lupin franchise. I will stand by this fact for as long as I live. <laughs> um and then the main arc itself, I I agree. Like I I I like it overall because especially how it starts is so strong. Like I cannot tell you like going from that fucking Sherlock two parter finale where it's just everyone's standing around explaining the plot and being like, Oh yeah, the treasure was ordinance. By the way, we found that out when, uh, now. Okay. And you get straight to, um, uh, an invitation from the past, which starts off with, Lupin like fighting multiple uh, Mercedes. Also, Mercedes once again. Mama, um, my wife. <laughs> my, my wife. <laughs> Are you? I got some water here because you both seem thirsty. <laughs> that yeah, that is something. Part six did serve us a lot of like did. pretty beautiful women. Yes, characters. Um, very nice. My <laughs> wife. <laughs> um. But just like the way that starts, you got like Lupin the gang doing heist stuff. You see them planning the heist. It's so great. You've got them playing the cards from part one, like arguing about making Soba. Fujiko punching Lupin right in the face when he tries to like, <laughs> she tries to like hit on her and she hits on him, literally. <laughs> and like, and then I like the second arc. And even though the one-offs I do, I like I do like most of the one-offs. It's, I still have the issue, even though they're all connected. The pacing is still leaves a little to be desired, and I think that has to do with the fact that it has to all be in twelve episodes. Had it have been twenty-four, like imagine the Tomoe story as a twenty-four episode arc. Look at what we could have had. And fakes the track lies. You know what? It's boring. I don't like that politician. She died. Boohoo. Um, <laughs> like fine, but. Uh, the Matea twist is incredible. Like that, I did not see that coming at all. That was one of the I, best parts in part six, I feel. Like that, that was another shot in the arm for this arc. And the ending, I like the idea of the ending. I really do. To a degree, like I, this is why I also feel like I wish it was a 24 episode thing. Because imagine Lupin snapping. And again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge it based on like what could have been. This is just have like my brain kind of works like i just think about what could have been if lupine had like turned with maybe like say like seven or so episodes left to go and you got like maybe the last third is the evil lupine that was teased on the fucking first poster yeah Um, there were so many I, was, I even played into it. I played into the AEO of Evil Lupin. I, I I love the idea. I love Evil Twin trope. Mm-hmm. So honestly, yeah, if that happened like way earlier on, and you're at like the gang having to deal with like an evil like Lupin that's like completely out of it, great, mm-hmm. loved it. And like, because that was the thing, like, I, I would have loved more of that. And again, I like the idea. I think they handled it pretty well. I would have liked it if it wouldn't handled, like, if it wasn't immediately resolved the next episode. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I get that. I'm not going to judge it too harshly, but like, I, I would have liked a little more time with that. And like, I, I love the imagery of Lupin's headspace speaking to Tomoe. Like, that's, just, that's, 
I because that's when the series is like doing weird shit, and I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for. Very, <laughs> in like the last very uh, mystery of Mamo. Yes, it's very, and I, I've referenced it before. It was like when I talked about Darwin's bird, there was so much, very much like Uta surrealism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that like whole state, like in his mind, like with all like the fragmented stuff, just felt very Utna. The in Darwin's bird, like the repeating. They like always yeah. felt like so it like I loved that. I mean, I was like, ooh, very interesting. And I like mm-hmm. how in his brain, like you could see like bits of like Jigen's hat and stuff yes. like that. So that was uh, great. um and then like so for spotting that and then it turns out everybody else saw it too and I <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I, well, I am not Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Be, th- be thankful for that. <laughs> you're, you're a lot more charismatic, so that's okay. Um, I also love the scene, like with the scene of him and Fujiko when he's not mm. in the. Re- oh my god! So th- that's the thing. I love that scene. I would like a little more of that protracted. You know, right, what I mean? yeah, no, like, absolutely. A little more of that tension, but the fact that it's there, that scene, that makes up for it. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, like that is a great gut punch of a moment there. And I I like the finale overall. Like, you know, I like the fact that Tomoe is like some crazy granny who's like just been ruining a bunch of people's lives. Like, like she is genuinely sinister. Right. My she's, she's, a, she's a real monster. Um, I mean, like in the very sense of a definition. Yeah, she's a monster. Or perhaps a monster. Ah, nice. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going the, the, I, I watched uh, the dub of that episode of that final two parter today, and like the moment, like you know, when Lupin comes in, I'm so dumb. I'm sorry, but like when she when he comes in and the dub, she goes, "My boy," and I just immediately, like, you know, this piece is what all true warriors strive. <laughs> My boy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Chris, for that. Because every time I said my boy, <laughs> and she says it with that intonation. She's like, "My boy, how my my boy." I just quietly muttered it, and she says it again later. And I just thought, oh, "Well, I thought like when we did that prison of the past review, and you were talking about Yata in part five, like, oh, my boy." <laughs> <laughs> His whole personality is got it, my boy. No, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, sorry, sorry to keep talking over you, but right, speaking of Yada, I can't. I, I grew to like him a little bit more in this one. Again, not as much as I did prison in the past. But Ari, talk about you know two by four. Oh, Yada Yada Lady. <laughs> I forgot we called her Yada Lady. I <laughs> called her Yada Lady because it's like Yada Yada Lady. <laughs> yada Man Lady. But <laughs> that's that's the thing, right? I think so. Anyway, I mean, I think she's even more of a solution looking for a problem than Yana mm-hmm. was. Especially because, I guess, because, like, the problem they're looking for is Zenigata needing somebody to talk to. Which has never been a problem before, but they add Yana in there to solve it. But now, if you don't have Pops around, who's Yana going to interact with? So they give Yana his own Yana. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. No, this is wrong. You're just an asshole. Anyway, yeah, already it didn't do much for me. I mean, she's she's kind of cute, I guess, but yeah. I, I think the politician is the most boring new addition to that thing. But like on this the scale, she's like the next one up. I don't want to be like I know this might be like kind of a hot take, but I can imagine like the writer like 
you know, like the, like, you know, the pitch meeting for like the new characters that should be in here. And like whoever pitched Ari's character is like Dale Mibbler in the, uh, in the Twin Peaks firewall community at sea. And I oh, wanted Lord. a two by four. Oh God. <laughs> Cause that's what we got. Maybe again, I, I didn't, I, I didn't dislike her, but I also, so, I don't. So, so do you think if we ever get part seven, they're going to give, uh, Already, someone to uh, play off of. I, I, oh, a Yata, Yata has an Yata who has a Yata. <laughs> it's like a Russian nesting doll of Yatas. Yeah, it's a tur- it's basically the turducken of Yatas. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, it would be funnier if they all looked like Yata. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alpha. This is Alpha Yata. This is Beta Yata. <laughs> and then, but you know, I mean, it's like each one is going to have. A bit less personality than the one before. <laughs> I didn't say he, 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 uh, before I get to like the final things, that the things I do like about the arc, uh, dub line specifically when um uh, they all decide to go chase after Lupin, Fujiko is like you know telling the gang that you know like you know like you know he's gonna get you know um you know he's, well, I forgot what the line is something I'll insert the line here about you know he's gonna get like you know the slap of a lifetime and Jigen gets up and says I didn't get most of that, but I'm down to smack his ass. <laughs> I was like, hey. That's a very specific line choice. B. Yeah. Like, that's great. really, really hitting on the game right there. I really think Richard Epcart absolutely knows what he's doing at this point. <laughs> and also, I love when I'm, uh, one of the first lines in the second episode, like, you know, the last episode. For, oh, yeah. Lupin's like trying to ward them off, and she's she like, wow, you're dumb. <laughs> this is for that line in particular. There's a lot of great, like, dumb lines in this. Mm-hmm. Um, like G, a lot of G in lines really like mm-hmm. stuck out to me, and also uh, Lupin not only saying like oh like because I fancy like I like you G and like when he gets like says that he gets some flowers, but also he calls him like a hairy hunk <laughs> at one point, and I'm like all right. <laughs> Hey, 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 some of us like the hairy hunks, okay? So. Uh, obviously, but, like, it was not a line <laughs> I was expecting to hear. But I definitely appreciate it. I've been watching a lot of Gundam recently, so Fujiko going full bright Noah on Lupin and just slapping him in the face when she shows up is endlessly hilarious and even funnier when he starts dodging it because like in the dub Tony Oliver's like I can't keep pretending it doesn't hurt when you keep <laughs> swinging that hard <laughs> that was great and I, I I like the ending overall again I, I do actually like it but I'll preface this with I do like it but I do have the feeling that I, I would like to move on from this continuity. Like I wouldn't like a part seven to continue this because again, this is, this is very me and how I wrote it. And I don't really like, don't want to say it this way, but the way I wrote down the ending is discount woman called Fujiko Mine ending where the thing is Lupin's like, I have Lupin. It's like, who is Lupin? Is he really Lupin? He's like, I've always been Lupin. And it's like, I know, but again, I like it because it's sweet. I, I don't want to seem like I'm being too mean about it. I just wrote down a very, mean thing because i was salty at the moment but um i i I do it i do like the ending like you know it's a feel-good ending it's nice it's a good note to end on 
But and I said this on our final episode of the part six coverage last time. I just kind of feel the narrative wheel spinning because there's only so many variations of is this the Lupin gang? What do they mean to each other? Is this really Lupin? Oh, of course, it's always been like, you know, it's nice, but we've done it. Counting Woman called Fujiko Miyane. We've done it three times now. Mm-hmm. And I can I, I would like to move on to something different moving forward because I, I kind of liken it again, also in the big Bond movie at the moment. I kind of liken it to Daniel Craig's tenure. I like Daniel Craig's tenure overall. It starts, you know, you got Casino Royale. Quantum Stones. It, it it has like this, this verve, like this real fresh energetic feel to it. And that's like the one called Fujikomine and part four to an extent. This is going to be a very messy metaphor. I'm sorry. But like the thing about the Craig tenure and I, I like it, but as it keeps going on, you've got Skyfall. And Skyfall's whole deal is, well, this time, it's personal. And the next three, two movies after that are like, no, no, wait. But this time, it's personal. And then No Time to Die is like, no, no, wait. But guys, get this. This time, it's personal. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) We've done this three times now. I would like to move on. Yes, it's been personal. Can we kind of get back to the basics or do something even fresher and more different. I would like, I I would like that moving forward to maybe we do, maybe don't even call it part seven, do something wild. Like I've always said, I I would like it to take the space dandy approach, like one-offs, different directors, different animation studios, different writers go nuts. Like it's like, it's like part three, but more. Yes. Part three, but more in like modern day, like, like, like yeah. even more directors. Cause like part right. three kind of has like six, like sections of that, like every episode, like just different character designers, just, just balls to the wall. Like go for <laughs> it. Because I, I don't want Lupin to fall in stagnation. And I, I like part six, but I feel that. And again, I, I could be completely off base. And I know some, I know for this, it may not even remotely be this for some people, but for me, I kind of like feel I feel the wheel spinning a little bit and I think it needs a little refresh. I think we need maybe like a, like a really distinctive creative voice to come in and do something interesting who that is. I don't know. I don't want to try to like, guess it. I don't want, I, I want to like be like kind of maybe even thrown off guard. Like, like, I don't know if I like this or not. Uh, we need another woman called Fujiko Mine type moment. Yes. With this franchise. I agree. Yeah. I guess we're kind of winding to the ending here. Moving forward, we've got, I don't want to be too negative, but we got Lupin versus Cat's Eye on the way. And I hope the script to that is good. Like ever since I watched Cat's Eye, that was like, like I was like, dude, awesome crossover. Uh, Like chance. So when it was uh, announced, I was like, oh, awesome. And then a lot of people were like, oh, wow, Cat's Eye. I've never heard of this. This sounds great. And then, Watched it. Pain. You take two visually distinct series from the 80s and... uh, And put them together in something that doesn't look that great. I am sorry, but like the animation is just leaving a sour taste in my mouth. But I am intrigued because I don't mind crossovers. But then again, I'm the stupid bitch that wants um, Lupin versus um, Carmen Sandiego. And I've written it. Cat's Eye works. I will say, mm-hmm. as somebody has yeah. watched Cat's Eye, that is a crossover that would absolutely work and be yeah. It just looks like a fifteen-year-old video game. Right. Yeah. 
it, it looks does. like both of those properties, but like after a uh, shit ton of sandpaper has been applied to it vigorously, and it's like, oh, so all the interesting stuff about it's just uh, it it would have been that refresh that I think it would have needed if they did the style like had it mm-hmm. close to the style, even if they did like a cat's eye mm-hmm. style. Like uh, when it was made, like in the eighties, like that would have mm-hmm. been sick. Like that, that would have been yeah. like something interesting. And but the way it looks, like the whole thing is just kind of like it feeds into that stagnation of it, where it's like you know Fozzie Bear going like, huh? It feeds <laughs> like like. like, 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 like. It like, not have great luck with crossovers, does it? It feeds into the stagnation that I feel with like modern anime, and that's kind of like what I said about the Oshi episodes of Part Six. It's unlike anything that I've seen in modern anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think that after Lupin versus Detective Conan, my expectations for <laughs> crossovers, um, yeah, they need to be done well because that wasn't done well. I mean, that's the thing I've noticed is, like, between Detective Conan and now Cat's Eye, Lupin and Third does not have good luck with crossing over with properties. It should be a perfect fit to cross over with. Mm-hmm. I would almost even argue Cat's Eye might be even a better fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit I haven't actually seen any Cat's Eye yet, although yeah. it doesn't seem like it's right up my alley. It, it, you'll, you, trust us, it's, you'll dig it's it. good. You'll dig it's literally, it. I'm sure I will. Because it's thieves, thieves. Yeah. It should be so great, and the only thing I'm looking forward to now is maybe the script is good. Maybe I can close my eyes and enjoy it and just envision. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping the script. Head. Yeah. I- I'm hoping the script will outshine the animation because I'll take one. It- it's very rare to get both in Lupin, but I'll take one over the other at this point. Yeah, because I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, there were some good TV specials in the 2000s. No, that's what I'm saying. It's very the, the, the late 2000s. What we're thinking about, probably, where it's kind of like it's like God, this is ugly, but I'm but I'm kind of into the rest of it. <laughs> Talking to my Princess of the Breeze, yeah, same baby, uh, where I made shit look like rabbit pellets, or at least this of the fog. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the one. Reed Nelson said is very engaging for your eyelids. The eyelids, yeah, <laughs> dang. It, no, I well, yeah, he said it for that one, but I can also argue that for the live action film, unfortunately, because it's sleepy time tea. But yep. overall, we'll do we'll do a last little quick thing here to just kind of sum it up. For me, part six is a mixed bag. Literally, there's a lot I like, but there is a lot I dislike, and it's fifty fifty, maybe sixty forty for positive being sixty, forty percent being negative, like. It bums me out to say this. I, I like, I joke about enjoying being a hater because I like to be salty and pick on stuff. But in all seriousness, I, I it does kind of bum me out that the 50th anniversary celebration series is my least favorite Lupin TV show. In fact, that actually kind of makes me sad to a degree. Because like, while I do like a lot of stuff in part six and there are some highs that I think are exceptions... As a whole, it just, for me personally, doesn't hold a candle to any given series. I, I would rewatch part one, two, two in its entirety, all 155 episodes, three, four, and five, before I would rewatch six in its entirety again. That that does bum me out, and I won't be too negative, because I, it is my least favorite Lupin TV series. However, 
it is not without merit whatsoever. And I would recommend it to anyone like, yes, you have to watch it. Like, like you got to see it because it's important to see it. There is great stuff in there. Don't like, don't skip it because it's not abysmal. It's not awful. It's not because there is really good stuff in there. But for me, it just doesn't stack up to the 50 years that preceded it. I, uh, I'm going to jump off right after that because you mentioned that number. When I did my um, episodes I like versus myth, um, out of 25 episodes, including episode zero, I ranked 15 that I liked, 10 that I meant or didn't like, so 60-40. Oh, wow. And, and I was like, you know, and, and I, like something clicked in my brain when I figured that out. I was like, you know, that's actually really accurate how I feel about it. Like, mostly... Like 60, like positive, like uh, it's definitely leaning more towards the positive, but it's still like pretty like middle of the road for me. There is so much of it that I like uh, and like, I love the character designs. They're probably like my favorite um, other than like part four. A- as far as like where it stands, I'm not sure. I like after, cause I like, I hold like part four is my favorite mm-hmm. obviously, but after that, I like, it depends on my mood really of where I put other things like yeah just like really what I feel like um but when you put it Drew in the way of like it's the 50th anniversary and like all like the 50 years that come before it that does like make me think about it a little differently because I didn't like really consider that 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 it was for its 50th I like completely just like like through that thought on the gutter and when you think about that, it's like, mm, yeah, that is kind of like, there is like a lot that's like, ugh, like this could have been executed so much better. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like, I th- like, a, like, I've made this joke on a previous podcast. It's like a CeCe's Pizza. It's like, it, excellent, uh, excellent idea, poor execution on like, a lot of things. <laughs> so, that, like, but for the most, like, I do genuinely enjoy so much of part six, but like Drew said, I, I'd rewatch a lot of the other parts in its entirety. I would rewatch six, but the episodes that I like. Yeah, same. I would I would rewatch like um the Transcontinental Railroad one. I'd rewatch that mm-hmm. all the time. That would I can see that easily becoming like a comfort episode for me. But it would only, for part six, it would only be the episodes I like because I'd see no reason to rewatch the Sherlock arc. I would just get irritated. So mm-hmm. those are my thoughts of it as a whole. Would I watch it? Yes, absolutely. I like a lot of it, but 60-40. Yeah, uh, what you guys said. No, no. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, 60-40 sounds about right. Um, a while back, I told you guys that I uh, think I prefer part six over part five. And... Uh, I open up the show by saying that I owe part five an apology <laughs> <laughs> and you know, much for the same reasons that drew does or much for the same reasons why drew wants to write an apology for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely bottom of this for me as well. It's like, I feel like it's, it's highs, you know, are generally higher than I guess part fives were, but also it's lows are quite a bit lower as well. Mm. You know, the, you know, I keep going back to the art style and the uh, and the general standard anime feel of it. You know, it just all feels 
I don't want to say lifeless, but generic, I guess. You know, it's like there's not a whole lot, you know, Lupin the Third feeling about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of wasted potential, a lot of really interesting, cool concepts that don't get utilized properly. But again, like you guys are saying, there's a lot of fun to be had. Mm-hmm. You know, if you cherry pick the episodes you want to watch, you're going, you know, you'll probably have a pretty good time. Especially if one of those episodes is win or lose in 0.1 seconds. And the two Oshi episodes. I guess if we're, if we're doing rankings, I probably have to go parts. Uh, two, one, three, four, Mankatsu, the woman called Fuchigamine, five, six. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I threw them all in there, baby. Nice. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't agree with your part for a placement, but that's for another day. Okay. All right. For what it's worth, there's like a bit of a gap between, uh, oh, what did I say? Yeah. The woman called Fuchigamine in part five. So like, so like those first six shows I mentioned, they're all great. All right, That's, and then after that, it's good, and then you have part six. Dang. It's okay. Dang. Just, just dang. Um, I guess for me, my general consensus with part six is just part six is continuing the vitriol of mediocre with some with some good um, in it of a series and I'm not saying it started with part four I'm saying where it started with part five but a little bit with part four I only say that because it took me a while to finish part four because of that soccer episode but other than that part four was amazing I think I'm also in the same boat with Chris about giving part five an apology because part five well part five for me will always have a special place in my heart because it was what I got back into when I fell when I re-fell in love with Lupin but also it is what I watched during the majority of my hospital stay when I was first sick with pancreatitis. So it's like part five. Thank you for being there for me when I was really at a low point in my life. But um, at least what I can say for part five is that there wasn't any gaps in between episodes. They, they kept to a story and the fillers were fun. Not that the fillers were not fun in part six, but you know, the the edging or like the sisyphusing of the episodes was not fun and also the grittiness for the sake of gritty sake was not what i liked and my huge disappointment with uh lupin versus sherlock holmes do i want to go back to part six i don't think so unless it's an episode i do enjoy like the safe episode or even um the train episode that being said, I am happy that there is still some continuation of Lupin. I'm in the same camp as my friend Lucy when we had her on here. We're just happy that stuff is being created, even if the stuff is mediocre. So that's my two cents on it. Can I add, too, that the dubbing is just getting better and better and better? Yes. Well, yeah, the dubbing is getting better, but I don't want to address the dub for this because I'm still angry. Again, I, I'm, I was so spoiled with Helsing Ultimate in British accents. Like, why the oh, fuck? I'm not, even, I'm not even talking about the side characters. I definitely just focusing on the main. Well, yeah, the main, the, the, it, you know, it, it speaks for itself that, you know, the OG Funimation cast. I mean, Funimation, the OG Genion cast, like the the now quintessential cast is always on top of their A game. That is no big deal. 
it's just for me it's just very much like within a month to record all the episodes too i i understand that but at the same time it's like it shows you know they're just getting better and better as time goes on like every oh, yeah. day prison of the past was great episode zero was great they're they just knocked it out of the park in part six like i can't wait to see what they do next wherever they yeah. dub next I'm yeah honestly their dub of it like was like a really like wanted me to get back into like a lot of episode six i was like curious to see what they did with it so mm-hmm. like please dear god can i just have um return the treasure and um Alcatraz connection dubbed. Please, oh, that'd be so good. Please, please. Don't me with a good time with Alcatraz connection being dubbed. I would lose. <laughs> I would absolutely shit my pants. Uh, again, like I don't like Alcatraz connection, but I do want it dubbed because it will make it more entertaining. Like show show me the horrors of the tenderloin again, Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> So before we uh, wrap up and give our social medias, I noticed a common theme in our wrap ups was that uh, Sherlock versus Holmes arc didn't do too much for us. No. So let me just interest you all in a little pitch here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Professor Moriarty's devious criminal mind can overcome any challenge, be it counterfeiting coins or swiping precious gems, except when Sherlock Hound is on the case. Together with Dr. Watson, Miss Hudson, and Inspector Lestrade, Hound must sniff out Moriarty's schemes while facing down steam engines and other strange inventions. How will they crack the case? Elementary, my dear viewer. They'll just have to rely on Hound's deductive reasoning and a little bit of luck to get them through everything the professor throws at them. Available on Blu-ray from Discotech Media on uh, November the 29th, Sherlock <laughs> Hound. Nice. Buy it. <laughs> it will cleanse your soul. I did not just read the product description off right stuff just then that was that that was that was off the top of my head that was infinitely more exciting (laughs) i legit thought we were going to go into a uh, vitriol on cats because you know macavity (laughs) macavity was based on moriarty and the whole the napoleon of crime (laughs) uh but for really all if the sherlock if the sherlock Art didn't do anything for you here. Like Sherlock Hound is coming to Blu-ray from Discotech. It is one of the greatest anime series ever made, in my humble opinion. Also, that series has a Miss Hudson who has a gun, and she actually uses it instead of sits in a chair and be useless. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord. Again, Drew has feelings. <laughs> I do. They have that one shot when Miss Hudson's sitting with a big sniper rifle, and they do Nothing! <laughs> nothing! <laughs> Nothing, I tell you. Nothing. So, by Sherlock Count. And uh, on that note, uh, Natalie, where can we find you on the social medias? You can currently find me on Twitter at Kapli Helsing, C-A-P-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. I haven't posted much except reposting a lot of cute stuff and, of course, um, uh, <laughs> my takes on uh, Hot D, House of the Dragon, and also making people aware of what's going on in Iran right now. You can also find me on Instagram, which I'm not posting on much either, but when I do, Captain, C-A-P-T-A-I-N-H-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. Yeah, that's where you can find me, but I'm busy, so. Emma, where can we find you? Uh, You can find me on the Twitter, um, Emma Wolf, E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. 
don't follow me on Friday. There is a Good Omens panel on New York at New York City Comic Con. You are not going to want to be following me that day because that's all I'm going to be talking about that entire day. Um, otherwise, it's just a stream of my thoughts. Uh, go go have a party. I'm also on Instagram at emwolf w o l f e two two seven. Uh, I haven't really posted a whole lot lately, but I have a lot of my cosplay on there. I hope to have more in the future. Yomacon is coming up next month, and I do actually plan on going and also cosplaying. There might be some new ones. I don't know. As well as uh, I know for a fact Emeraldus is coming back. So look for that. Um, Chris, where can we find you? So you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Furball. D-R-F-U-R-B-A-L-L. Uh, you can find most other places at Amazing Chris Godby, the G-O-D-B-E-Y. I have uh, two web comics, weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.com. All right, Drew, where are you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. Uh, you'll currently find me uh, in the thralls of the uh, the James Bond mood, hitting me out of nowhere. Like, I know it's spooky season. I'm supposed to be watching horror movies. I am, but also the Bond mood hit because I had completely forgotten it's the 60th, the 60th anniversary of Dr. No. So, like, it was, it was, it was destined to happen. So, you'll find me uh, spamming about that. And uh, you can find our podcast on Twitter at LuponPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you're listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, you can uh, scroll down there and give us a rating and review. Five stars would be nice. And also, you can give us a rating on Spotify now, I just realized. So give us five stars there, please. Get on that. If you like if, if you like our show, we greatly appreciate it. And to uh, give some fun little announcements here for what we got coming up. Uh, now that we have finally got part six in our rearview mirror and we have handled all of the uh, the new releases that we want to talk about. Yes, I know that there's a Detective Conan special and movie dub, but we're moving on to part one. Getting back to basics. We're going to recap the uh the first nine episodes, because now Emma has joined us, so we're gonna kind of do a like like a little bit of a little bit of a soft reboot for our part one coverage, and we'll also talk about the brand new restoration of the pilot film as well that's come out. You know, we won't spend too much time on it because we've already did a pretty extensive episode, but we'll talk about the restoration because it looks very pretty. So we'll get into some part one episodes, and then figured this would be um, uh, fun to announce. It's getting close to the holiday season. So around December or so, you'll probably see the uh, the second annual Cyburns and Cigarettes holiday special. So look forward to that, Lupontic folks. And until next time, have a good night. And watch part six. It's worth it. Or don't. I, I, I actually genuinely mean that. Like, give it a watch. Or listen to us talk about it and then give it a watch. <laughs> also that, yes. Or but always, watch always give a thing its fair shake, I, I think. Like, I, I may be crabby about stuff, but I would recommend, you know, you gotta at least see it once. It's like it's like Return to Pi-Cal. You gotta at least see it once. But then again, Return to Pi-Cal is better than Part 6. Whoa, now. Yes! As the one person who loves Return to Pi-Cal, yes! And on that bombshell, <laughs> good night. Good night. <laughs> yeah.
love never dies. <laughs> you are so wrong for that. Girl.